Hello. Hi. Welcome to issue 24 of Scout and Birdie. Better half. I'm Jennifer Keel. And I'm Anna Wolf. So we chose better half for our issue theme because this issue marks two years of making Scout and Birdie. Two years of getting to work on a podcast with my better half. (laughs) Yes, an amazing two years. Jen and I have been so engrossed in the world of Scout and Birdie that all of the various issue themes that we've had in the past have become a huge part of our vocabulary and Mm -hmm. how we talk to each other. Yeah, I think it started when I was in California and I texted you, I'm so issue number six right now. And you were like, and then I said, sunburnt. (laughs) (laughs) And then I started to, in moments of being very emotional, say, oh, I'm very issue two right now. Messy. Messy. (laughs) Yeah. And we were texting those back and forth and it started to be just a fun thing that we do with each other. And we were talking about it last issue. I was saying, you're my number 24. Better half. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a very silly thing that we do together. Um, And then for the holidays, you wrote me a card with all of the issue themes in it. (laughs) Yeah, I worked in almost all of them. There Mm -hmm. were some that were not workable. It's pretty tough. But I think I said, I hope you have time to sit in your home and breathe. (laughs) And if you ever need a reminder of how much I love you, be kind and rewind (laughs) or reread this letter. (laughs) Yeah, it was was quite creative. Some of them were a little rough, but you often write me very creative letters, though. Every special occasion you do. And for my 24th birthday, you wrote me a poem, which I have here. And I was wondering if you'd like to share it with us. Oh, me? You'd like me to share it? Would you like to read your poem? Mm -hmm. Our first piece on Scout and Birdie is is called 24, (laughs) a poem. Oi. 24, with love galore. 24, (laughs) who could ask for more? (laughs) 24, but so much before. 24, not a whore. 24, let's go to a bookstore. 24, take a walk on the lakeshore. 24, I love you, hardcore. It's a very good one. Wow, that's some of my better work. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And then it just says dash Anna Wolf. So I just have this forever. This was definitely a memorable letter. So when we got to issue 24, I was like, we have to read that one. I hope you don't make me read my mediocre follow-up poem. 25? A poem. I do have that one, but um, it's much shorter, and it's just a little little note on the side of the card. So I don't think think we have to read that one. Phew. (laughs) Thank goodness. But Gout and Birdie has become such a big part of our lives and something we started with each other as best friends. And has really brought out this idea of better half in us. So it is very exciting to be exploring this idea with a group of really fabulous artists. And 
We're so excited to share their work with you. And we are still best friends, so that is saying something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) with that, we'll take you into it. Please enjoy issue 24, Better Half. All right. First up in the issue is Neil Yachman. And Neil was someone who submitted to Scout and Birdie through our website. And we were so excited to be introduced to his work and to be sharing it with all of you at home. So please enjoy Neil's poem, Our Book. As far as noise starts things, profound idleness has the power to hold my heart. So hold my heart and threaten not of harm. Turn to your supersensuous stringed instrument as though warm milk were trickling out of it and cook until you get a bit of color. I'll monitor it when it's all over. Is this a party or a waste of time? You have to step on 10 people to get a dollar. Is it slipping on a banana peel? I used to play that game with my youth full of fire, who shall remain nameless. The pleasure of it may not be understated or understood. When a little baby is born in the immediate neighborhood, it's going to be much better for you. Is it a partnership? There's already an epidemic to relate. To get to it, I have completely turned to dust. When it gets dark, I tow your totemic ancestor, or heart, away. I swallow a donut in the rain. That's when the stipend is born again, only to pass through my hand at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep. Remember the opponent's upkeep. Here's a lotus mat for a lovesick girl. Not much thought went into it, but a life did. Life hurled an object in a straight line. Then the line slept, and I went to the vet in our elevator, a crabbed house with a wheel. I prefer the lie that lives in the groundswell. Our book is that, and an unappetizing remnant that graces what it subverts. sharing with us in this issue a series of photographs that he's taken. Welcome, Philip. Thank you. Happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about what inspired this collection and your process in taking photographs. Yeah. So, um, you know, the theme was better half. And I think that kind of, I would constantly think about that when I was doing these, these photos and more so in the editing, like looking at them and kind of being, trying to figure out like, what it is that is the half. So what it is that is the expected difference. If I'm looking at like the ocean, is the other half like the rock? Is it the people on the rock? Like things like that. Um, And then just like my process, I would say 
for me, having a camera makes walking around so much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely the kind of person that looks down at the pavement. <laughs> like I always find bugs. Like that's a huge thing. I'm always <laughs> looking for bugs, finding bugs. Um, but it's really fun when I have a camera because I'm looking around and I'm very like an active, present person. Yeah. Um, which just makes life a little bit more exciting. Uh, you end up seeing things and catching angles that you're like, that's just a, like this thing that I would have easily missed had I not mm-hmm. um, been more observant. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess, my bit of my process. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> like I said, I'm starting to do photography with a film camera and there's just a kind of permanence to it that there isn't with digital photography and mm-hmm. um, the idea of like, I'm going to take this and I can't look at it right away or think about retaking it. So you spend a little bit more care in framing a shot and all that goes into it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I feel like, yeah, you see people like myself or others like yourself who are working with film and you see them kind of frozen, like really frozen in positions. And like when I'm about to take a shot, I, it makes me think more about like things I wouldn't otherwise think about if I could, you know, do a fast like 10 shot click yeah um and yeah you don't get that second chance but at the same time you do get that surprise weeks months later when you've mm-hmm. developed the film of like oh, my composition was perfect <laughs> or like ah oh, that light i didn't think about that light like yeah. you know and it's it is really fun in that way and um yeah because the mistakes are like grander and, and larger than life because mm-hmm. you have to wait so long um yeah, I think it, it builds a kind of like respect um, and yeah, just more of a passion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And like we were talking about earlier, there's such a, a mechanical quality to the camera yeah. that, that it 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 just feels like um, more of a craft than when you are like painting something. There's so much technical, so many technical elements that go into it and mm-hmm. And it is fun to have that moment of surprise when it all pays off. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the longer, I mean, I've only been doing this for like six, seven months, but like just like last night I started, you know, learning a little bit more about like like the f-stop and what that is for each lens. And as you start to kind of realize that each lens is like an eyeball, mm-hmm. then you begin to be like, oh, wow, like I can see through I can see different visions and through these different eyes, the more I have. And so then you start getting a little bit more like interested in like the camera and the technical side, Mm -hmm. but it is such a fun artistic kind of tool. And for me also the artistry comes into the like captioning and uh, you know, what, what, how you, I guess how you combine the visual with um, the written. Mm -hmm. So like what you're saying about the photo is always a huge part. Like when I have a photo, sometimes I'll just take a photo because I'm like, I know the caption. I yeah. know what this mm-hmm. is. And sometimes it's like a paltry joke, but sometimes it's like, <laughs> this is a great, like, you know, discussion on this huge topic or whatever. Yeah. It yeah. sort of frames the work in a way and it puts it into an artistic context mm-hmm. of you like walk through a gallery and you look at a photograph and take it in and then there's the caption there and it sends a light yeah, bulb to you. It and you're like you far away from the like, image. Whoa. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it sends your mind racing a little bit more than if it was out of context like that. Mm-hmm. You do a lot of cool work with editing your photos and putting the text onto those. Tell me a little bit about what inspired those choices. Yeah. Um, so it first started off like getting into editing was definitely something that happened just by necessity for different competitions that I started submitting for or publications. And, um, and then, yeah. And again, it's just like editing is a huge thing. I mean, 
in the world of photography and film, like most films are created on the editing floor. Like, you know, the great, great films have great editing in them. Um, And so, yeah, just getting into it is also just very fun because that in a way is like taking the raw colors of your photo and then throwing them onto a canvas and then on the canvas you can kind of move things around. Mm-hmm. It's very like Minority Report. I always think of like, like you know, Tom Cruise moving things in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it. And I've just been using free trials so far. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't settled on like anything, but... It's good to test a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it is a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, you get really into the details like yeah. we are talking about. <laughs> it, you can focus in on something so intensely and mm-hmm. and just be like, need a little bit more shading there but it's very cool I remember taking a class a photography class when I was quite young maybe Mm -hmm. like 14 or so where we were playing with negatives and developing photos and there's such a there's such a cool element to like even that kind of side of it when you like get into developing and playing with all of the chemicals that there's like this moment of revealing which is cool and you can play with so many different things with it I'm so jealous. I would love <laughs> to play with, yeah, turning a negative into a print. Like I know. <laughs> that's, that's so unfair. I, I'm like, maybe I should turn a room in my house into a dark room yeah, <laughs> and just yeah, yeah. like really play I've with it for a while. you can do it in cans. Yeah. Like I think black and white. It, mm-hmm. Color is supposed to be like you color, deal with some toxic stuff. But. Yeah, I've never done color myself. But yeah, it was like a black and white photography thing that I did when I was really young. And there's an excitement to it Mm -hmm. that you have to dip it into a few different things with these tongs because you're not supposed to touch the the photograph i mean i'm sure some people do but it's Mm -hmm. not recommended (laughs) and so but there is this moment where you like flip it over in and in the one it just all comes together um but that's a it's a very cool moment to the whole process is very thoughtful and meditative to a certain extent, I would say. Yeah. I mean, this is a series of like kind of moments of discovery, you mm-hmm. know, like from the thing turning into an actual print and the image coming onto it yeah. to like you taking the shot to, you know, it's all just discoveries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's so cool. That actually reminds me totally of middle school. We did this weird camera box thing. Did yeah, you guys do that the project? Pin cameras? Yes. I actually have a pin camera that I have been meaning to assemble oh, um, wow. that I got at an art store and, it's just something you can just put together and just make a little pin camera. That's so but neat. it's so fascinating. I haven't done one in a long time, so I've been meaning to do it. But those are really fun moments. And I think those moments are stuff that sticks with us really well, especially mm-hmm. if you were introduced to photography at a really young age. I think like that fascination is like why we have Instagram yeah. <laughs> and all of oh these God, yeah. things. And we're so obsessed with this capturing of the moment. But there is a really cool thing to film where it does take you into the present and makes you look around. And that's that's a very cool thing, too. Yeah, that's actually really well said. Yeah, it kind of brings you into the present. I yeah. love that, actually. Yeah. I think now our cameras are very, like, shared immediately. Mm-hmm. And so really the only way to get back to the root of it taking you into the present is something where you can't share it right away, yeah, like yeah. film. Where you're like, I have to wait two <laughs> weeks to get this film back. So It's true. It, yeah. It's like a good story. Like mm-hmm. when you have something happen to you, you tell that story later and it gets better. 
Yeah. You know, you tell it right after it's happened and it's kind of, you're still in it. You're still kind of garbled yeah. and that moment is still um, kind of lost on you. And it takes that kind of reflection and, and whatnot to make that moment more present mm-hmm. for others yeah. and tell that story even better. Um, so yeah, that's actually really, cause yeah, I feel like digital and images and whatnot are such a like online memory that we mm-hmm. access and use because we just as humans, like we don't trust ourselves and our memory. Yeah. It's why we've written, you know, it's why we do all the things like cave paintings you could see from <laughs> thousands of years ago, like, cause yeah. we try to preserve things. Yeah. It's kind of in our nature to want to define and categorize and do all of those things. So, but this is a very cool medium and I'm very excited to be sharing it with everyone at home. So please be sure to go to scoutandbirdie.com and check out Philip's series of photos. And you'll and also... everyone else's stuff because yes. it's really, really <laughs> great publication. Thank you. And you'll also be able to check out Philip's work in our next two issues <laughs> where he'll be sharing another series in each of those. So you can look forward to that. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thanks, Jen. All right, next up in the issue is Caroline Watson. And you'll remember Caroline from her first appearance in Scout and Birdie on our Back to Basics issue. Yes, and we are so excited to have Caroline back with her piece on explaining my white privilege to my native mother. My mother has screamed at me for calling myself white. She locks eyes with me and lowers her voice to a volume that I truly, scientifically believe only an indigenous mother can reach, and she lets me fucking have it. I gave you ribbon dresses. I showed you how the earth works. I made you the best goddamn fry bread you've ever eaten, and you call yourself white? You erase me my mother tells me. But my mother doesn't understand that when people look at me, the only thing in their heads is a theme song that sounds like scoop-a-da-boo, a-doop-a-da-bow, she is fucking white. I'm swimming through internalized racism and externalized appropriation, dripping with mixed guilt when I realized that the first time I ever felt truly native was not after they gave me my name or after I started to learn my language. It was after I dyed my hair black. Shameful as it is, I could finally look in the mirror and see my Mima, my mother, Iposi, Ishki, cheekbones high, hair jet black, eyes full of pride. I never had that. Instead, I found myself apologizing for my college scholarships, explaining my lineage to people like I was giving them a report for a middle school social studies class giving in and telling people the quantum of my blood when it became clear that just telling them I'm a daughter of my tribe would not suffice. And I want my mother to understand. 
It's not enough for me to go to the powwows. It's not enough for me to learn the language. When my skin bred through the assimilation they force-fed us is too white now. They bleached my culture away, and I've come out of the wash whiter than intended. Except when my mother looks at me, she sees her mother. She sees sacrifice and growth and access to a future she didn't have. What your skin lacks in pigment, it makes up for in stories, my mother tells me. It's not your job to reflect what they think you should look like, my mother tells me. Our people walked the trail of tears so you don't owe anyone shit, my mother tells me. But my mother doesn't understand that she married a white man and made a white baby. That I walk through the world as a white baby carrying the learned trauma of centuries of oppression and assimilation I may be, but still a white baby. It doesn't matter, my mother tells me. The blood of the matriarch is what defines you, my mother tells me. I made you, my mother tells me. But I got my father's eyes and my father's nose and my father's skin, and my father's privilege. And I'm growing into it, learning how to use it so I can be the daughter my mother wants me to be. All right, next up in the issue is Mia Arevalo. And Mia also submitted to Scout and Birdie via our website. Yes, and Mia is such a warm presence to be around. She was so lovely to work with and record with. And we are so excited to be sharing her work with all of you at home. So please enjoy Mia's poem, Mirror. Object of your attraction, I see no satisfaction. Don't understand what I see, so tell me what you see. I don't know, baby. This reflection is hard for me. You tell me these good things, but my heart starts to sting. You pull me in closer, but tell me you're not for sure. I don't know, baby. This reflection is hard for me. Are we just cuffing? This will turn into nothing. You're killing my emotion. You're living in destruction. I don't know, baby. This reflection is hard for me. I lose for you. For you. For you, for you, for you. For you. For you. For you. For you.
All right, next up in the issue, we have Sebastian Jimenez Galindo. You'll remember Sebastian from our Lost and Found and Be Kind Rewind issues. We are so excited to have Sebastian back with another sound poem from his series, Voracious Blue Lobsters. This sound poem is mostly in Spanish, so if you don't speak Spanish, you can go on to scoutandbirdie.com where you can find an English translation to read along with. So please enjoy Hola Mi Amor or Hello My Love. I'm doing great, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Yo me rasco la cara, repleto de zarzas, como queriendo rascar tu cabeza. Hola, Hola mamá. Voy a alegrar la habitación como quiero. Suspendido de seis metros sobre tierra. Y arriba la cama puede dormir Encima de la colina Y es esta voz que yo creo que todos conocemos Y que nos choca este, Cuando la oímos Y es la de buzón de voz La llamada se cobrará al terminar los tonos siguientes ¿No? Uf, y entonces Este es el buzón de 2, 2, 1, 0, 9 Hola, mi amor. Te pido que no te preocupes de más por el suelo. Seguro solo pasa una ráfaga mala. Una horrenda experiencia. Su llamada no puede ser contestada ahora. Y, y ya no, no, déjate mensaje. Y, y ya no, que obviamente nunca van a escuchar. Y si está satisfecho con su mensaje, marque uno. Para escucharlo, marque uno. Um. I'm not sure if you still have my number. I actually looked up yours on Facebook, so hopefully this is still your number. But um, I uh, had all the all the stuff in storage, including like a bunch of pictures, and I found some of us. And I guess I just kind of wanted to reconnect. Um, my dad said, "Who cut who out of the photograph or out of the picture?" That's what he said. Um, talking about one of the pictures that it, it was just you cut out from the picture of us. And um, he was asking about the tangible thing, but I was thinking, oh, yeah, so he's just like a cut-out picture in my picture box. And I don't know. I guess looking through all of them, I was like, hmm, we uh, had a lot more than that, right? So... Um, if you want to talk, catch up, give me a call back. Um, my number is... Puede que solamente extrañe la montaña de tu ropa sucia, limpia y sin usar. Tus botas en bolsas, la lámpara rota y tu chamarra amarilla. Una obra maestra sin temor al error. Hola, mi amor. Dicen los expertos que existe un tono verdoso que se hunde en el suelo e imita el braseo de las olas del mar. Si salimos a buscarlo, al terminar el desayuno, lo podemos encontrar 
Hoy me mira la mancha en la alfombra que en todos lados se mete. Me convence de que existimos como rostros al sol o texturas en bruma de pieles sensibles. Y en el labio de arriba, la risa y la orquídea. Dicen los expertos que las hebras desbriznadas de la flor del azafrán amparan la memoria y calman el dolor menstrual. Yo me rasco la cara, repleto de zarzas, como queriendo rascar tu cabeza. También dicen los que saben que sonríe al recordar tu nombre y que los besos balbucean si los labios intranquilos intentan decir adiós. Pero yo tengo un plan secreto. Dicen los expertos como si quisieran que no se supiera que ningún cambio ocurre sino una realidad imaginada. Dicen que voy a alegrar la habitación y tu labio que mira hacia abajo con una orquídea en la alberca de arriba. Do you want to tell me something? You look like you want to tell me something. You look like you have something really important to say and you just can't for some reason. Come on, you can tell me. You can tell me anything. Next up in the issue is the wonderful Emily Matapusi Para. And if you've listened to any number of Scout and Birdie issues, you will recognize this name. We love her. We love having her on. Mm. We love her work. She's one of our absolute favorite writers. And we're always so happy to have another one of her pieces in an issue. And this piece, Road Trip Stories, will be read by Jennifer Keel. So please enjoy Road Trip Stories. Signs of entering Wisconsin. Highway construction stayed the same after we crossed the state line. Flatlands of crops stretched out for miles, unaware of which Midwestern state they occupied. But I observed remarkable thematic changes in the road signs. While Illinois emphasized its eclectic range of injury lawyers, insurance options, and pest control experts, Wisconsin was noteworthy for guns, God, and Gouda. Billboards proclaiming the virtues of all three were erected alongside the interstate's golden corn stalks, greeting us every few miles as we continued driving north. My favorite signs were thematic mashups, like Jesus has your back, aptly positioned with a fluorescent arrow pointing the way to a 24-hour gun shop. Visit Tommy Gunn at Gouda's Italian Deli was another entry in the category and a tempting proposition to boot. A question for you, I said to my husband, driver of our northbound Mazda. Mm-hmm. You see the corn and soybeans on the side of the highway? 
Do you think they mind the signs that are planted alongside them? What do you mean? Not just the messages, though maybe crops can read those, and perhaps they approve or disapprove, who can say? But more to the point, the signs encroach on their sunlight. You'd see the only cloud on a sunny day, he said laughing. Who cares about these silly billboards? But they do remind me of one thing, that I wanted to get a snack. I wasn't so sure, though I did agree to the pit stop. We bought cranberry gouda and chocolate almond bars at the Mars Cheese Castle and raced each other back to the car. Calories burned, likely under 50. Calories consumed, probably 10 times that. As the sun arched westward, I took a cheese-induced catnap. It was a welcome respite from the constant reading of signs, though I knew in the back of my mind that they were still there. At an office park on the outskirts of Milwaukee. On a misty morning jog through an office park adjacent to our hotel, I spotted three corporate deer and two corporate beehives. Posted signs stated that the path was off-limits to those not employed by the corporate owner. I looked over my shoulder at the office tower rising high above the greenery with a low-slung parking structure attached. The building was an anonymous steel and glass headquarters of an international distributor. None of its human employees could be spotted along the wildflower footpaths or well-groomed running trails. Long lines of cars approached from the highway, took the office park loop, and turned straight into the caverns of the parking garage. I wondered what jobs the deer and bees had been able to score. Plain 20 questions. A game you suggested. And why not? I had nothing else to do but ride shotgun and keep you pointed in the right direction. And Google Navigation effectively managed the latter point. Being on the last leg of our cross-country trip meant that we had to spice things up. 20 questions, but our way, you said, with a glimmer in your eye. We'd be playing for pride, the only currency worth reckoning. I assented with glee. The state capitals and river towns of our road trip informed your opening gambit. Why no major city on the Susquehanna, River of Binghamton, and Harrisburg? Clever, but I countered. Why do you think those aren't major cities? You conceded the point with a sly smile and accelerated into the left lane. My turn. I looked out for cops, worried about your speeding, and considered how to best approach the game. I decided on another geographical question, this one with a straight factual answer. What city once had the most millionaires per capita and was made most famous for being where President McKinley was shot and died? Buffalo was the correct reply, though there were multiple stumpers hidden in the phrasing. For one thing, it was my personal opinion that neither millionaires nor McKinley were true claims to fame, unlike Buffalo's real pride and joy, the Wild Wing. You made a few wrong guesses, frustrated. We lobbed each other a few gimmies just for the sake of marital harmony. Who is the all-time top-selling pop star from Canada? And I returned the favor asking, what was the greatest 80s television show set at a summer camp? Opinions diverged around the Canadians. Neil Young or Joni Mitchell, probably, though Leonard Cohen was a sleeper candidate. But we united for Salute Your Shorts, definitely, without question. On the rural road, we had no reliable internet to determine the right answers, which made the game more fun. I stroked the top of your knee watching the billboards pass by, 
Seeing ads for casinos, truck stops, wineries, and flea markets, I absentmindedly queried, Do these signs target some drivers? You paused, checking your blind spot, then responded vividly. You imagined a trucker scoring big at blackjack, converting his winnings into fine wine, and indulging his taste for mid-century modern. Three points for you, I said, granting you one for the correct answer and two for the poetic originality. You smiled, your hand tapping the wheel while brown-eyed girl played. We were making good time and had been on the road for two weeks with no major fights or speeding tickets. All we had to do was find an eastbound exit with a diner and a motel, sleep well, and continue driving in the morning. Then we'd be home. All right, last up in the issue is Rebecca Keishan. And we were connected with Becky through another Scout and Birdie artist. And we always love when that happens because it feels like our little family of Scout and Birdie artists is just growing by people connecting us with their Mm -hmm. artist friends. Yeah, it gives you this real sense of community. And Becky is a wonderful actor and singer and writer. She's so multi-talented. But today we are going to be sharing with you a song by Becky. So please enjoy Better.
with you. And that brings us to the end of our issue. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to stay connected with Scout and Birdie in between issues, go on to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and like us, follow us. Be sure to go to scoutandbirdie.com and check out Philip Lindsay's series of photographs. You can also learn about each of the artists there and where to keep up with each of them. If you are an artist and would like to be featured in a future issue of Scout and Birdie, go on to scoutandbirdie.com, click on the submission tab, and send us your stuff. I'm Jennifer Keel. And I'm Anna Wolf. And since we have just hit our two-year mark with Scout and Birdie, we have some new changes in store for us for the future. We are going to be taking Scout and Birdie quarterly, so we'll be releasing a new issue of Scout and Birdie on the first day of each season. So what that means is that you can look forward to longer issues of Scout and Birdie in the future, fuller issues, issues where we have more time to curate a group of artists and give them more time to work on what they'll be putting into the issue and all around just more time to bring you bigger and better issues. Yeah. We'll also be tackling some new projects on our own. So we'll share those with all of you as they develop and as those come to fruition. We're also looking forward to having a little bit more time to spend with our better halves. Yeah. Just some nice quality time together that is not project related or anything. Just some beautiful number 24 time. So we'll see you on the first day of spring, March 20th. With issue 25, Pins and Needles. Bye. Bye.